0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for On The Money, presented by Embassy National Bank.
1: Hi everybody, this is Joe Moss and uh, welcome to this week's edition of On The Money, the number one small business show on Business Radio X show is presented by Embassy National Bank. Embassy National Bank is a nationally chartered financial institution whose deposits are insured by the FDIC. On this show, as you know, we discuss topics designed to help small business succeed. Because at Embassy National Bank, we are proud of how we help small business. I'm Joe Moss, your host and president at the bank. And we welcome you to the Subaru of Gwinnett studio. Uh, We have a repeat guest today, which I'm real excited to have them back in. I think it's very timely they come back in. want to introduce back to you guys Alfredo Ortiz and Elaine Lutz, who are with the Job Creators Network, uh, Alfredo, the CEO and president, and Elaine, the chief communications officer. They're all about creating jobs and why that happens and why it doesn't happen. So welcome to the show again.
2: Thank you, Joe. Appreciate having us.
1: Alfredo, explain to everybody again what the mission of Job Creators Network is.
2: Well, the mission of Job Creators Network is to help educate employees in the end through employers, and we believe that by providing uh, that type of educational material and information to the employers that we can have a better educated workforce overall, and that's one of the best ways that we can avoid avoid having bad government policies become law.
1: And it's important to understand this because small business is the is the group that Creates jobs. It's absolutely. It's
2: about 70% of actually new job growth is in the hands of small business owners. So okay. it's an extremely important group across this country. And in fact, just one quick stat 85 million hardworking Americans in this country depend on the success or failure of small businesses. 85 million. And I'll get to those numbers in a little bit, but it's an impressive number.
1: It's very impressive. And I think it's very important to po- uh, point out that you are nonpartisan, you're actually an edu- educational group. That's correct. And um, you just want to let people know about some of the issues that are out there that would either uh, improve or harm job growth. That, that's correct, Joe. We're a national uh, nonprofit pro-business
2: advocacy organization. Um, we are definitely unabashed supporters of the free enterprise system and the opportunity economy. Um, and all this information we want to provide to anybody who is interested in getting this information is available to them uh, free of charge.
1: And you have some pretty high profile Founders such as? We do. Bernie Marcus was actually the founder of this
2: organization, as many folks probably in Atlanta and in Georgia know, is also the founder of the Home Depot.
1: I heard him say that if I tried to start Home Depot today, I wouldn't be able to do it.
2: That's correct. He says that all the time, that uh, in this particular environment of overregulation and taxation different parts of uh, our our challenges out there in terms of regulations like Dodd Frank and and others that it'd be impossible for him to to go from the two store startup that he had to what it is today, a major
1: success in this, in this country. Thanks. And Elaine, you've got some big news today about something coming up this summer or this fall.
0: Yeah, earlier this year, we launched uh, a new campaign called the Bring Small Businesses Back campaign. And starting at the end of this month in Aurora, Colorado, we'll be launching a national bus tour, which will go up into the Midwestern states um, and uh, literally a bus on the road. Um, meeting with uh, small business owners in cities across the country um, with uh, congressional representatives to talk to small business owners about the issues that they're facing. Um, you know, it's interesting, we've done some uh, polling. And uh, the of small business owners, and only one in five actually plans to do any hiring this year because of the issues that they're facing and the headwinds. And they cite uh, overregulation, overtaxation, and a lack of access to credit as the three top issues that are hurting them and, and preventing them from expanding their businesses. Um, and so we're um, reaching out to uh, representatives. U.S. congressional representatives to hold uh, town hall type meetings with their constituents and in in their districts and talk to them about these issues and also talk to them about the tools and the things that they can do through educating their employees about the policies um, that hurt their businesses and their employees jobs and utilizing our employer to employee education program and the tools we provide.
1: And you're welcome in every state, not just red states or blue states. Everybody wants to talk about job creation and helping small business.
0: Bad government policy hurts your business, whether you're a D or an R. Right.
1: <laughs> and uh, I think it's helpful that in, in, a, in most cases, every representative that I know of uh, is going to embrace you because whatever you're trying to do is ultimately going to help them and, their, and the people within their district. Well,
2: and I think that's absolutely right. And just going back to one fact that Elaine pointed out, the 19%, um, in terms of their expectations of doing any hiring for this year, combined with that other fact that I had just mentioned about the 70% of job growth being in the hands of small business owners, you, you combine those two facts. It's not, it's not a good equation, right? When you've only got 19% of the people having any plans on doing the hiring in the small yeah. business area.
1: Well, we get a lot of small businesses in here, obviously, because mm-hmm. that's who we interview a lot of. And, um, you can tell they're they're nervous. I mean, it's it's tough. It's not like it was, um, and a little confused. What do I do? What's the next year look like? A lot of them are changing right. their plans around every six months. Uh, Long term is now. When you do a three year plan, you better do it for six months because it may change after six months. So there's a lot hitting them right now, and that's correct,
2: Joe. I mean, outside of I think the uncertainty aspects of all of what you've just mentioned. When we did the poll and came back, that overtaxation, overregulation of the lack of access to capital and credit were three of the key planks that were causing them from really succeeding. When you combine that, right, with all the other elements that are hitting at them, I mean, it's, it's a very tough environment. And there are some fantastic things that are going around in Congress, for example, and things and bills that are looking at what is the impact, for example, of future regulations going forward. But we, 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 we at Job Creators Network say this is death by a thousand cuts for our small business owners. Who's actually looking at the other 999 elements before it, right? That are actually bogging them down, that are bringing them down, that are creating our small business owners. In many cases, just to throw up their hands and say, I quit. It's, a, it's, it's just too much.
1: Yeah. I, and I heard uh, an interview with someone coming over here and I, that was from Hewlett Packard and I'll talk about that toward the end. But um, I think the, the one thing that I keep hearing now that it's uh, election season, and uh, oh my gosh, it's just going to take too long and we're all going to get sick of it. But the one thing that I keep hearing is how the candidates are going to create jobs. Government will create jobs. You hear it on both sides, and I think it's important for everyone to know government doesn't create jobs. Small businesses create jobs. Uh, People like you and me create jobs. We're the ones that do that, And and we need an environment that allows us to do that.
2: And, and that's correct, Joe. I mean, when going back to that 85 million number that I threw out at the beginning of the show, if we break it down a little bit, there are about 20 and a half million small business owners in this country. About five and a half million of those actually employ roughly about 10 people or so. That's 55 million employees, right, in the hands of small business owners. When you combine that with that pool of 20 and a half million small business owners, that's the pool of 85 million hardworking Americans. And by the way, those 20 and a half million
1: small business owners are also hardworking Americans in this country. Sure. And and people forget that. Yeah. And, um, and they, they have trouble sleeping at night and a lot of them, uh, and, and some during, depending on the cycle, have trouble making any money. And at the same time though, the payroll is taken care of. And I find that's the, that's the story that doesn't seem to get out there sometimes. Right. Right.
2: Elaine was actually, you were a small business owner. I think you can probably relate with the, the, the payroll every two week uh, uh,
1: syndrome.
0: Oh, yeah. You pay your employees before you pay yourself. Sure. Make sure that uh, they're taken care of.
1: Sure. And um, um, and in fact, I heard a story about a small business owner who had not paid himself for three months, but the employees thought he was making too much money. So, <laughs> you know, and it's there's a confusion there sometimes about how that really works.
0: We went 12 months without paying ourselves. Yeah.
1: Did your employees know? No. Yeah, see? Um, <laughs> but, but Joe, you bring up a good
2: a good example. That is the education element that we're talking about, right? A lot of times our small business owners or, or business owners, business leaders, they don't know how to talk to their employees. They don't know if they can talk to their employees. And that's what we're there to do at Job Creators Network mm-hmm. is to really help them understand that they can and how do you do it? How do you have the conversation? And frankly, in a nonpartisan way that just really relates to facts.
1: Sure. Sure. And they all want to hear that because, uh, well, you've done some polling that indicates that they do. Correct. They do. Okay. Let's go back to the tour. So what kind of issues are you going to be bringing up? Or is it going to be local, national? What do you all plan to be doing at these different stops?
0: Well, the stops, were like I said, we're partnering with um, the U.S. representatives and congressmen in their districts to bring in local business owners, their constituents, to talk to them about the over-regulation, over-taxation, and the lack of access to credit. Um, we're excited to announce, uh, we actually had our first uh, event in June in the 14th, 14th District of I- Illinois. Uh, Representative Randy Hultgren, um hosted that event, and we were invited to attend. Uh, uh, Congressman Holkren actually just um, <clears throat> just announced the Bring Small Businesses Back Tax Reform Act, which is H.R. 5374. So it's the first legislative action um, coming out of our campaign to help bring some relief to small businesses. And basically what it's going to do for small businesses is lower um, the tax rates on the first 150000 of income to um, 10%. And up to a million, down to twenty percent. So it's going to bring some really good relief for small businesses, and that's what they need. Um, and and studies show and that these
1: would be C corps that are affected, correct?
0: These are pa- what they call pass-throughs. Okay. okay. Small businesses, partnerships. Okay. S corps. Okay. And,
2: and really quickly, Joe, that that particular group there—that's about ninety-six percent of all the small businesses will benefit from that kind of relief in this country.
1: Wow. Tell me about the Fourteenth District of Illinois, just real quickly. What does it look like? demographically, business-wise? Where is it?
0: Well, actually, um, the 14th District is right outside of Chicago. Alfredo actually attended that event and spoke with the um, constituents there. He can probably give you a really good overview of that.
2: Yeah, M- M- McHenry County is actually where we had the particular event. And it's, it's you know, it's a- agricultural, small business. I mean, it is, it's Main Street America. I mean, it really is. There's the, it, it is a beautiful, you know, beautiful town. I just uh, missed, unfortunately, their, their, their fair that was there. But it really is Main Street America, and it's just representative of all the other pieces and other stops. One stop, for example, that we're going to be doing is in Eureka, Missouri. Um, because, again, it's a nice representation of you know, Main Street America and the small business owners and the plight. Um, and one thing I want to emphasize that as we go through and working with you know, congressional leaders and other business leaders, and in many cases, and we'll talk a little bit, I think, about the, the Georgia tour or the Georgia stop, uh, you know, again, as I mentioned, when you've got 85 million people are the dependent uh, on the success or failure of small businesses, it doesn't matter if you have a D or an R or an I next to your name, you're, you, you know, you're, you're being hit the same way. Right. And in one of the particular cases, we had a gentleman that stood up, uh, at one of the town halls and said, look, I want to be really clear. I'm a Democrat, but, but I have to tell you, I'm feeling this pain just as much as the next guy, whether, so it, it really is impacting me right. and, and we believe that, that we can help. All, all, all these folks, again, doesn't matter what your party affiliation is.
1: Okay. Well, since you said that, Elaine, talk about what you're going to be trying to do here in Georgia.
0: Well, we're going to be working with uh, State Senator John Albers and hosting two events um, with him um, in uh, October 20th and 21st. Um, And so we're expecting some pretty large crowds there. Um, It's interesting. uh, Senator Albers is actually working on a state-level legislation that will mirror the national legislation on the tax reform package Mm -hmm. that I just mentioned. Um, We're also working with uh, Representative uh, Rob Woodall on the 24th of October.
2: And and actually, if we could chime in on that one, because we're excited. Um, The uh, Gwinnett uh, Chamber um, has agreed to co-host that with us. And uh, so we'll be uh, uh, doing that on the 24th of October mm-hmm. from uh,
1: 9 to 1030. We ought to get uh, Business Radio X up there and let them do it. We would love to have you up there. Okay. Did you hear that, Mike? Mm-hmm. I know you're listening out there. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, go ahead, Elaine.
0: We'll be heading out to Savannah uh, with Representative Buddy Carter on the 25th of October.
1: A lot of stuff going on in Savannah. They got the funds now to dig it the canal right? right that's correct that's correct and, and again i mean there's just so many
2: opportunities out there we, we really are trying to leverage as many uh, congressional business leaders and again we encourage anybody if any congressional business leaders are listening today you know please you know you know i'm not sure how we we can call out specifically uh you know a website or something like that you tell me joe if we can do that but we have we have plenty of time we want people to join on this tour
1: yeah i'm gonna be calling around to some of our businesses and see if you can't uh we've got one up in north georgia that may want to uh, try to help um but we'll we'll think about it, try to do something as well great i think uh it'd be re- very worthwhile um let's see uh biggest challenges we've talked about tax bill we talked about let's go through that one more time so if you are a a uh, small business, and you operate as a either a partnership or a subchapter S, or as a pass through. Mm-hmm. Then, how ha- then how is that going to be affected?
0: It's going to lower the tax rate for pass through businesses first hundred and fifty thousand of income to ten percent, and to twenty percent for their first one million of income. It also does a couple of other things. Um, it's going to allow small business to immediately expense all their investment uh, in equipment. And then it's gonna simplify um, cash accounting for tax purposes for all businesses with gross receipts less than 25 million. So, in essence, it's gonna simplify things for small business, which is what they need so that they can continue doing what they do best, and that's grow and expand their businesses and create more jobs.
1: I like the last two, I'm not sure I understand, so when I, if I'm a small business owner and I get a K-1, the income on that will be taxed at ten percent for the first hundred and fifty thousand. Right. Okay. Got it. Well, that'll be um that's very helpful because right now it's taxed at their, their marginal personal rate. That's correct. And Joe,
2: here's the interesting thing. We we've actually done survey work on that and research that at that particular level of income, uh, everything under a million dollars, small business owners, they don't take their money and run off to the Bahamas with that. They reinvest it back in their businesses, whether it's an additional line, whether it's an additional truck, whether it's Couple new, you know, overhead. They will hire people. They'll buy equipment, and that's going to get the economy back and running. We know we saw the anemic 1.2 percent GDP growth. We know we need to accelerate that. Corporations are actually the ones. The larger corporations are the one that are benefiting more so, even though you've seen just recently some of the uh, projected slowdown, even from the larger corporations. Mm-hmm. But the small business owner really hasn't seen the recovery, um, you know, over the past several years.
1: Um, let's drop down to um, the the DOL overtime rule, because we've been somewhat affected by that. Why don't you talk about that?
0: Well, it's interesting because we hear a lot from our members about uh, overtime, minimum wage, um, a lot of those issues are coming out from these unelected bureaucrats, and this is the overregulation that's killing them. But essentially what it does is it doubles the threshold um, for paying overtime for management employees, and so what what companies have been doing across the board is they have to they have to basically look at reclassifying salaried employees to hourly positions so they can better manage um, their costs basically, um, and and you know and what employees need to understand is um, that hurts them because you know, that's, that's kind of where employees look to their career ladder and they look to get to that salary level. And so they lose benefits by being reclassified sure. into an hourly, they lose flexibility. Um, they lose the ability to show, to, to put the extra time in, you know, because Which that's they how probably you... want to do exactly.
1: And I got a story about that by the way, but, um, you're listening to on the money, uh, brought to you by embassy national bank. And we have Alfredo Ortiz and Elaine Lutz from job creators network. This is, a a not-for-profit group founded right here in atlanta and uh, they're all about creating jobs and that's why we like talking to them um, let me tell you the story about overtime when i was uh, first starting uh, in an accounting department um, in order to uh, energize people you would be made an officer which it's not what they why they did it but because you're an officer you're exempt from overtime And we just like putting in the time to get the job done. And the Georgia Department of Labor came in and found that there were a certain level of people that really weren't operating in an an official level, and they went back and assessed overtime on all, you know, they got paid the overtime going back. And um, that's been around for a while. How has it changed? Is this going to become a federal deal or they just tightened up the limits or what?
2: I, I mean, it, this, this came out of the department of labor. Okay. So it's basically doubling of that threshold okay. that raises it up. And that, that's the biggest challenge. Um, again, since we're really focused on small business, we're, we're concerned about the, the overall impact on the small business owner. Okay. Because whether you're a, you have one employee or a, 10 employees or a thousand employees, right? It's going to hit all the same. A lot of our small business owners don't have the ability to do that just overnight to be able to have that kind of you know labor hit mm-hmm. and in a lot of cases they they reward their employees for hard work in different ways whether it's equity sure. whether it's profit sharing bonuses right? bonuses right because they just don't have that cash flow to be able to afford that kind of salary on a sure on a bi-weekly basis so we're very concerned about that kind of impact right the ability for the small business owner to be able to absorb that
1: now clearly we're not all about trying to uh, work somebody to an early grave but uh um you got to look at the whole picture right Right. And well, how are they how are they being compensated in other ways? Right.
2: And, and, and in many cases, there's also the, what we call kind of the psychological impact on what we are hearing from from some employees that have worked very, very hard to get from a hourly position to a salary position where they're not having to punch a clock every day, where they have some flexibility to, you know, go to their, you know, maybe it's a, a PTA
1: meeting or whether it's
2: uh, an appointment and they don't have to keep punching in and out, right? They've worked very hard to get to that point And now that's being taken away from them
1: we oh, we got so much we could talk about here today. I want to get I want to get back to the educational part of it. Um, and I'm gonna let's talk about a couple things. Why, from my perspective, I think everybody needs to know that um, every two years, our House of Representatives in Washington is reelected. Every two years, these are the people that create legislation for these issues. So you have a chance every two years to unseat whoever's not doing a good job and put someone in there that you like. I think it's important for people to know. So that's why it's very important to gin up on these issues. And if you go to jobcreatorsnetwork.com, they will give you a list of of a lot, of several things and why it's important to understand the issues. And again, we're not telling people who to vote for. Just go in the booth with an educated vote.
2: No, I think, I think that's a great point. And Elaine... Would you want to comment a little bit on the scorecard that we're going to be putting out in September?
0: I was just thinking about that. We're actually developing a scorecard where we are going to score all the members of um, the House as well as the Senate on how they have voted on the issues related to overtaxation regulations and um, credit, access to credit um, for small businesses. And so we'll be able to score them, um, uh, you know, in time for folks to get educated on how their representatives and senators have voted on issues um, that pertain directly to job creation.
1: I don't think anybody's doing that now, are they?
0: Not the way we are. I mean a lot of um organizations I mean, um, they
1: judge you on conservatism and all those things, but I like how you're making it very specific about job creation.
2: Yeah. And and the nice part is, I mean, I think in, you can reference, you know, how many folks, you know, whether it's Democrat or Republican, we've we've got, you know, quite a few, you know, congressional representatives um, on the Democratic side that are very pro business friendly are gonna be sure an honorable mention. Sure they are. We wanna be able to highlight that because again we're we're just focused on these three different elements not a conservative or not conservative, but really on the elements of, of business creation and job creation.
1: That's good. And then the, the other thing, let's talk about uh, employment for a minute. You know, we always keep hearing this uh, employment number that comes out in June 16, the unemployment rate was 4.9%, which is down considerably from where it was. I think it was tracking, uh, what's the highest that it hit back in the deep, dark days? Was it?
0: Uh, I want to say it was probably around 10%.
1: Yeah. yeah. 10%. And it's been tracking down in Georgia. The unemployment rate is, it's about same as the national mm-hmm. average, right? And it's coming down, but you know, there's a lot more to the story, isn't it? And, uh, so I don't come I mean, Elaine, maybe you ought to walk us through. I'll show you this chart. You can see it out on the, uh, on the website, but once you walk us through about what the job, what the numbers really are saying,
0: well, you really have to look past the, the headlines of these low unemployment numbers because really it's the labor participation rate and that's the number of people who are actually actively job-seeking. And we're, we have one of the lowest labor participation rates we've had in 30 years.
1: So walk through those stats.
0: Well, right now our unemployment rate for June because the July numbers are actually coming out on Friday, um, which we're expecting another lackluster month. Um, but we're at about 4, 4.9% unemployment but the real unemployment rate, if you added everybody back in who's just fallen off the map because they've given up, we're really at 9.6 percent, um, which is significant because our labor force participation rate is at 62.7 percent. We haven't seen those kinds of numbers since Jimmy Carter was president. And that's important um, to understand that if if everybody decided that they'd come off the bench and start looking again, the unemployment rate would skyrocket and you'd see very different headlines.
1: Right. and. The sixty-two percent is telling us what? Out of every ten people, sixty-two percent of us that are can work, sixty-two percent of us are actually working, and thirty-eight percent are can't either given up or at home or whatever.
0: It's that they've given up because if you're actively seeking a job um, and you're collecting unemployment, you're counted in there. Yeah, um, these are folks who just simply given up and and they're not even part of. They're not even counted.
1: Okay. And then there's some other numbers on there too that are pretty interesting.
0: The civilian labor force um, for June was is at about 158 million people, so significant numbers. And when you look at how many are part of the small business numbers and impacted by small business that Alfredo was referencing, you're talking about 85 million people. So
1: 158 minus 85, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, that's uh, more than half of the civilian workforce is actually associated with small business, right? And how do we, what's the sales goal? What? How do we define small business these days? The, go ahead.
0: The SBA defines it as under 500 employees.
1: Under 500 employees. And I think we need to find another moniker other than small business. I saw an ad on TV that I really liked and people don't like, some of these folks aren't small. They're big thinkers, mm-hmm. you know, and they have a big reach and a big influence and there's nothing small about them no
2: no and and in fact we we, we have uh, internally we say small business is too big to fail in fact i mean it's it, it really is i mean when you think about it, over half of you know our labor force basically in the hands of small business owners right that's right. that's a big number we don't want them
1: to fail we gotcha. can't yeah <laughs> well really when they have things
0: like the department of labor Overtime issue and minimum wage and the Affordable Care Act and the regulations coming out of that. Coming at them, you've got small business owners that are making defensive moves um, to keep their labor costs and keep their costs in general down instead of figuring out ways to expand their business. Um, That's problematic.
2: Okay. And and Joe, you know, talking specifically, I mean, and you can appreciate this when you look at Dodd-Frank, for example. And even though.
1: That's what I wanted to talk about. You know.
2: (laughs) Even though there was some, some great rationale and reasoning of why that was that was created and why it, why it passed and became law, there are also, as you know, some unintended consequences. Over 1,000 community banks have gone out of business since Dodd-Frank passed.
1: Oh, there was an article today about how, the number of banks have gone from 11,000 down to 7,000. We've lost 4,000 banks over, I guess, the last 10 years or something. Right. It's, it's, a,
2: it's an amazing number, which again goes to the lack of access to credit. And uh and by know. the way, I want
1: Ben in want to interview at Embassy National Bank, we're trying to help that great lack of access to credit. but we're un- also <laughs> under some of the same rules that everybody else is under. so we've got to be careful how we right lend credit but anyway keep going right well no and
2: one of the things i wanted to say is is that what we're trying to do is identify and and again any input from 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 your listeners that are in the banking world you know we we seek that kind of input because we're not necessarily about trying to you know repeal and replace Dodd frank but to what we call repair and restore um and really try to identify what particular elements right of the Dodd frank bill for example are actually the most onerous for our community banks that are keeping that small business lending from actually happening. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, we're, we're just trying to be solution focused. We're not here, you know, again, to, to be partisan about it and to say, you know, that that was a horrible bill there, but there are unintended consequences that came from that. And we need to identify that and fix them.
1: Well, one of the, one of the things that uh, we keep our eye on is the uh, CFPB, the consumer finance protection bureau. Mm -hmm. And uh, arguably they've done some good work in trying to help people to get from uh being hit hard with a bad mortgage deal. We all know a lot of folks got money they probably shouldn't have and you can blame it on the consumer, you can blame it on the banks, you can blame it on the investors, you know, but you know what happened and so they're trying to put some stuff in place that's working. But a lot of times that backfires and I think that the availability of uh housing credit has fallen. Um and it's certainly a lot tougher to get a mortgage loan. Mm-hmm. And I'm not Uh, you know, and we've got some issues with that, but, um, I guess the, the thing we look at is the CFPB scope has traditionally been consumer, but now I think it's trying to creep over into small business Mm -hmm. and we need to be really watching that. Mm -hmm. Uh, they don't, they don't belong over on small business Mm -hmm. at all. They, I think it's good that they're doing what they're doing on the consumer side. I don't agree with their tactics. But uh, we need to be careful that we don't see that creep over on the small business world because that'd kill us. Mm-hmm. That would just kill us. That's a fantastic point. You're absolutely right. So what else is going on out there? Um, what are y'all hearing from Washington? Uh, I guess everybody's packed in for the summer now, correct? Yeah, they're they're, they're
2: on recess now. Um, and I think they are probably gearing up for you know, re-election season. Uh, but again, that's why we're trying to take the opportunity to try while people are back in their home districts to hear about this message and the importance of small business owners. I mean, Joe, if you think about the two conventions, the Democratic and Republican conventions, and how much time was actually spent talking about small
1: business. Not in here or anything. Exactly. I heard a lot about how the government was gonna create jobs. Right, and and, and on both Both sides, sides.
2: both sides, it wasn't discussed. When you've got, again, 85 million hardworking Americans that are dependent on the success or failure of small business, and neither party discussed that in a national, four day, you know, eight days total of convention time and not one minute was truly dedicated towards that, we've got a major problem.
1: And by the way, how do you get, you know, when a legislator goes back, um, he's going to get hit with all kinds of stuff. Um, and I've talked with one of them about a certain piece of legislation. It was like, okay, I'll stick it in my bag. Um, and, and I don't blame him because it was, he had so many other things to try to worry about. How do you get these folks focused? Do you have to find one representative that's like you found that wants to promote this uh, tax act? How does all that work? You just got to keep digging and digging and digging.
2: Unfortunately, that's pretty much what it takes. I mean, there's what we call legislative awareness. That's one of the things that we're trying to do with, with the tour, right? Make people understand both from both parties, right? About the importance of small business owners to this country and what is hurting them right, these in particular, these three different elements. And it's getting in front of them, getting, you know, uh, we've got over, we have now have about 102 associations that are part of our coalition of associations. And we're trying to engage them and get them to help support us to get that message out as well to their members, Mm -hmm. right? And so we just believe it's it's, it's like anything, right? Awareness leads to trial, which leads to repeat, right? In the business world, people will get that. It's the same thing here, right? We just need to keep driving the awareness of these particular challenges and what we're trying to do to help that. Uh, to be able to get the attention of congressmen they they do have tough jobs no matter what you know what what party you've got a tough job because we've got so many problems and so many issues in this country i
1: was sitting at at dinner and there were like three or four of us peppering this one guy and i remember thinking i mean this is probably one percent of what he's hearing every day how i felt for the guy i mean how can he make (laughs) any commitments or promises you know
2: Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough job. I mean, you, you have to respect every single person who is up in D.C. who's you know, trying to do what they need to do and make a difference and do things the right way. And again, we just hope that we can be another voice out there that, is, that, that can serve as
1: advocates for the small business community. What congressional subcommittee is focused on small business? Do we have one?
0: We actually had one of our um, CEO members testify on the overtime issue last month, and it was in front of the House um, Small Business Committee. Okay. Um, and he has, has a tech business, and he um, spoke from the perspective of how the overtime issue is going to hurt um, tech startups. Which, sure. you know, it's pretty significant because when you think about the tech industry and these tech startups, I mean, a lot of these folks go through, you know, take big risks to start these companies they work hundred hours a week with the hopes that what they're developing is going to be successful and pay off hopefully ownership shares, you know um, you know a big payoff in the end. the overtime issue significantly hurts that type of industry because it takes away the ability for those folks to do that. And in his case he was speaking about his sales force. Um, they have an upside to go out there and sell more but sure. when you're selling you're working more hours. And if he's got to look at reclassifying all of his employees, it hurts them. So he well, testified before that committee.
1: From his standpoint, that's a good point. Let's just say the whole the tech thing is usually driven. Uh, a lot of pay comes from the options. You know, the 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 payoff from that. So if he's dinged with this overtime thing, then he don't have to use options anymore. I guess he could just say that's your pay. Um. Well. Well. The market actually, may not let him do that. Well, but, it's
2: actually almost worse. I mean, he's going to be like, "I can't afford to do that, so I'm going to have to
1: let you go." Yeah, that's actually the reality. Or <laughs> worse, I'll farm it all out overseas.
0: You could even think back to when Bernie Marcus started the Home Depot. I mean, the folks that worked for him in the early days with the first stores opening—you um, know—they were working hard, at, you know, hundred hours a week. Mm-hmm. And you know, Bernie tells us these stories. Well, they did it with the hopes of making a successful business and having a payoff. And there were many people in those early days um, when the company went public that started out in cashier and shopping, pushing shopping carts um, that really benefited from those early days and those long hours.
2: I mean, one thing we fundamentally agree on is hard work needs to be rewarded, period. Mm -hmm. Allow the market to dictate how that actually happens again, whether it's through profit share, whether it's through equity, right? I mean, allow the market to do that. People will take those risks. They, you know, we're all adults. We can make those decisions, right? Don't force that upon, you know, the small business owners and the folks who are trying to build entrepreneurs, for example, that are trying to build a new business out of an idea. Mm -hmm. Um, that's what we're saying is yeah, absolutely reward hard work, but again, allow the market to work through that itself.
1: Right. And, and educate the small business owners of different, uh, comp alternatives that are out there correct because a lot of us don't know Mm -hmm. they don't you know i mean i don't know if you've ever heard a presentation from one of these executive comp firms but oh my gosh you got to have a doctorate just to sit through one of them it seems like
2: right i mean i I, you know personally when i started as you know my small business i hired three people i didn't have you know the ability to go on a major payroll so i gave them parts of my company right off the bat sure I mean, and they probably worked there. You know what? And off, they did didn't they? because yeah. they knew they were going to be, you know, benefit yeah. from that from, yeah. from the hard work.
0: We've also heard a lot of um, from the restaurant industry. You know, there are folks who start out in fast food restaurants, they work their way up in restaurants, and they end up managing the restaurants. Those types of positions are being impacted by the overtime rule significantly as well. Um, we we were told of one of the stories um, from one of our uh, members who um, is a franchisee owner of restaurants and said that when his employee was w- moved into a salaried position, a manager salary position, he was actually approved for his first mortgage. It made the difference. So the benefits from going hourly to salary um, are more than just the flexibility, but the bank saw him as a good credit risk at that point, and, and he was able to buy his first house.
2: Sure, because there's consistency of income.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're right. You're absolutely right. I hadn't thought about that, but, um, you know, the, that's a whole lot less explaining you have to do to the underwriter. Correct. And now the underwriters have got to validate income every way till Tuesday. So right. it's, it's really tough. And it's almost impossible for a small business owner that relies on K one income to get a mortgage these days, unless mm. it's like three or four years sustainable type of income. Correct. So, um, and then the guy that goes out and buys and sells, buys and sells, buys and sells, buys and sells got a lot of cash you're making a lot of money but as far as a mortgage it doesn't count Mm because it's not sustainable so that's there's a lot of stuff that just is going on that uh, a lot of people don't know about and it's very frustrating Mm -hmm.
2: we agree it's it's a it's a challenge overall and i mean again you know we're, we're happy to be able to have one of those planks again be the lack of access to credit um that one is still being developed and we're working on that one
1: okay well good well listen that's it for today the uh time runs quickly it does in this room. Why don't you all give a parting thought? Elaine?
0: Small businesses are too big to fail, and we're thrilled to be part, be a voice, another voice in this battle um, to help educate employers on how they can talk to their employees about these issues, because they are the first and last line of defense.
2: DefendMainStreet.com? Do you want to talk about that for
1: two seconds?
0: Your listeners can go to Defend Main Street, DefendMainStreet.com and they can see the campaign campaign um, they can join the campaign, and they oh, can good. support the campaign.
1: Okay, good. I'll um, I'll put that out on my LinkedIn and a couple other places. Great. Alfredo, you want to add anything?
2: No, I'm good. As you can tell, I'm I'm uh, my, my throat is almost gone here, so okay. I apologize, Joe.
1: <laughs> um, and by the way, Embassy signed up to be one of the sponsors for your yes tour. You. So we're very excited about that. Thank and, you very much. Uh, we appreciate the opportunity to help because I think people get the word out. Everybody's going to help. An organization like yours, absolutely. Thank you again for the support. Sure. We appreciate
2: the opportunity to speak here.
1: Well, that's a, that's the show for today. It's been a good show. I appreciate y'all coming. We'll we'll do this again. Um, I still have questions, but we can do that the next time you you come on. Um, so that's that's the show. You've been listening to On the Money. Uh, it's the number one small business show on Business Radio X. I should tell you that the last time we looked at stats, um, as as Anywhere from 80 to 400,000 people will end up listening or watching this show. Uh, that's staggering. I appreciate it, and the bank appreciates it, and I'm glad we can help. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter at on underscore the underscore money, and then the number one. Uh, you can listen to any of our shows um, anytime by visiting onthemoney.businessradiox.com and download our shows on iTunes. Um, we're also out there with a video component, um, and uh, that's done, actually, thanks to, to Trey, that's done extremely well, uh, very high quality. It comes across very well. You go to Business Radio X Gwinnett YouTube channel. Before we get into our closing statements, just a shout out to our producer, Mike Salmon. I hope you're not getting hit by mosquitoes while you're down there, and uh, can't wait for you to get back. <laughs> anyway, all right. Until next time, this is Joe Moss at Embassy National Bank, and just remember: be careful out there. It's a tough world. Uh, leave fear in the back seat. Uh, all of our small business owners don't understand fear. Uh, some do, uh, but anyway, leave it in the back seat. Move forward, and by all means, be yourself. Stay authentic. That's the best way to sell anything: is by staying authentic. So, with that. Um, We'll do this next time, and thanks for listening.